passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, hey, no English, you shut your mouth. As you can see, I have a new attitude and I have some new friends, which is bad news for everybody else in Dragon Gate Pro Wrestling. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Post Pure Wrestling. It's John Pollock, along with WH Park, who is joining me here in the month of October. We are gearing up for. What will be another very, very busy month? Lots to cover on today's show. WH, how are you? I'm pretty good, John. I just took a nap. I feel wonderful right now. So, Yeah, this is the the uh, the different sides of the world you and I have. I just woke up, and you woke up too, just different times of the day. And here we come <laughs> yeah, together. But, well, I'm going to go back to sleep as soon as this is done. But yeah, it's oh, nice. Well. I needed a refresher before uh, – I, we t- started talking for I don't know how how long about all the happenings in Japanese professional wrestling. Well, I think that we should start off. Um, actually, let, let's start off with the the news that is very very fresh, and that is there has been a sighting by a man who has been going to great lengths to not be seen for the past year. That's right. You know, the artist formerly known as Neville has resurfaced. Uh, at tonight's uh, Dragon Gate Corican uh, Hall show, the uh, headlined by the uh, final Tokyo match uh, for Shingo Takagi before he leaves Dragon Gate. That's not to say he'll never wrestle in Corican Hall again or in Tokyo. It's just he won't be an, a contracted Dragon Gate wrestler. Um, the main event was listed as um, Shingo Takagi teaming up with his uh, eternal rival, BB Hulk, against Ada, his teammate, his former teammate in Antius. Now known as, uh, get this, this is their new faction name, John. They're called the Real Extreme Diffusion. Wow. Or, or Red, for short. It's, I, I, it's up there with, like, I don't know, some of the great Dragon Gate faction names. Uh, Deep Drunkards comes to mind. Uh, that's probably the worst one. But they really, really I, bent over backwards to make that acronym work. Well, Antius, I... Diffusion. Diffusion. Yeah, I mean, Antius, I had, I still have no idea what that means. I thought that was a horrible name as well. Um, but yeah, so Ada said, I'm going to have a mystery partner. Turns out the mystery partner is Pac. Now going, he, so Neville has gone back to his original uh, stage name. So there you go. He's joined uh, Red. We can just call them Red for short. And then along with, you know, the they formed this group with uh, another former WB uh, talent, uh Kazuma Sakamoto, who seems to be working everywhere. He works in Noah. He's in a heel faction there called the Hooligans with, uh, you know, my Bak Taniguchi and uh, Mitsuya Nagai and uh, Cody Cody Hall. Cody Hall, that's where he surfaced. He's in. He's been in Noah recently. Um, so this guy's getting around. Um, I don't know why they hired 
him because he's terrible, but this is our Dragon Gate. I guess it's to balance. We got Pac to come back to Dragon Gate to balance out the horrible hiring of Cosmo Sakamoto. So there you go. So do you and, envision uh, that, that Pac is going to be with, with Dragon Gate full-time? This will be his, his office in Japan? Yeah, I mean, they made a big deal out of it. He he was in the main event of today's show. He pinned Shingo Takagi in his last uh, Dragon Gate match in Tokyo. So that's got to mean something. Um, I don't think Dragon Gate's going to be rolling out like someone like Pac without thinking that he's going to be, you know, someone who's in there for the long haul and be able to like maybe draw in international attention onto the company, maybe bolster up their streaming uh, streaming service numbers to some extent. Um, no, it's it's nice actually to be able to talk about like, hey, look who's joining Dragon Gate, look who's coming back to Dragon Gate, as opposed to talk about, hey, look who's leaving Dragon Gate, which has been the recent news recently, you know. So yeah, I, I find it it's a surprising one. Not not that he would have a loyalty to Dragon Gate, and obviously looks upon that time of his career very fondly. But it's just such a different Dragon Gate than the one that he left, and I just saw that guy has so many big options that I think Dragon Gate is a limiting one for what he can be doing in Japan. Um, I think if he was looking at offers from Dragon Gate and then All Japan or, you know, of course, New Japan, if he's looking at New Japan, he's probably thinking that is an incredibly bloated locker room uh, and talent roster, especially on the, like, the, the foreign talent side in New Japan, like I, I can see him being like you know pushed initially for the first six months, but there's a real, real danger of him kind of being lost in the shuffle, you know, in that group because and then he's like the only foreigner who really is going to be working full time for Dragon Gate, and I can see Dragon Gate making him a very nice offer, and like he's probably open to working U.S. Indies and European Indies as well. So I, I gotta imagine like uh, he's 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 like made a lot of news he's he's like the buzz talent from coming from tonight so he's gonna probably get a ton of offers right now so it's a great get for dragon gate and i think that i, I think Pac is going to do very well on the open market whether it be in the uk in the u.s I, I think that he's going to be you know like the the hot independent star for some time i, I think that he's gonna have a really good buzz coming out of all this stuff with wwe and being outside of the WWE, I think that he's going to be in very high demand for independent dates. Like if he's aggressive about it, he will fill up a lot of dates, as many as he wants to have, with a reason. And they're out rate. there, yeah. And they're out there. I mean, there's such a vacuum. I feel in the independent scene, both in North America and in uh, Europe. And he's, yeah. I mean, like there's so many big shows coming up for like you know, especially in the UK. I just feel there's such a, a great deal amount of buzz for like big. You know, big shows coming from like Rev Pro and like Progress just had their Wembley show. And so they're kind of riding this high and like Fight Club Pro over in the UK as well. And OTT, there's there's so many things going on there. And then I think definitely we're going to see him back in uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla in the United States. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. So, yeah, anyway, that should be uh, intriguing for Dragon Gate uh, to have, as you said, some positive buzz for them of somebody going to Dragon Gate, not leaving Dragon Gate. Uh, as we look past, uh, I just wanted to go back over the last uh, couple of weeks. New Japan put out three of their destruction shows, and not to go through all of the shows, uh, but which of the 
major matches did you have a chance to see and what stood out for you? We had the, the rematch between Kenny Omega and Tomohiro Ishii. We had a Minoru Suzuki Tetsuya Naito match in, in Beppu. And then, of course, Tanahashi Okada, which really it all paled in comparison to Taichi winning the never open weight championship from Hiroki Goto. Um, I think the match that stood out for me is the most enjoyable was the uh, Tanahashi Okada match. Um, but no, going in, like I knew there's no way Tanahashi is losing that belt. Um, I mean the, uh, the title shot at, at Tokyo Dome. Um, the com- coming second would be like the, the Omega Ishii match. And again, like there's no way Omega's losing that match. But I will say that match was so well laid out in the last like five minutes. There, there was times where I thought, oh my God, Ishii's going to win. Ishii's going to win. But he didn't. Of course, Omega came out on top. We have to keep the kind of this dream match right now between Tanahashi and Omega. That hasn't happened for, I don't know, like the last five, six years, maybe. They I can't did, remember last time they. They did one singles match before Tanahashi got hurt right after Na- uh, Nakamura left. So 2016, they did one. And beyond that, I don't know what. I don't even know if they've had a, another singles match besides that. I think that would be the only one then. Yeah. It's like Kenny wouldn't be necessarily mixing it up with Tanahashi because he was still a junior at that point, probably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they got to keep that intact. Um, the the Naito-Suzuki match, honestly, I never want to see them <laughs> paired up again because they are so boring together. They have, like, negative chemistry. Um, that that then, bar spot, those two, it's just, man, it doesn't work for me. And... Like that match, I would have been much more high on if they had cut out 12 minutes of that because the, the middle portion of that, those middle 15 minutes just wore on me like bricks on my shoulders that we were just clawing our way to the end of this match. And, you know, it, it was fine, but I thought that was a very disappointing card. And yeah, I'm with you. The main event really didn't click for me as a new Japan main event should. And it just is frustrating at times when like that was a match where it's, it's it's our obligation. We have to do 30 minutes. You do not have to do 30 minutes. Nobody ever leaves a show stating, oh, my God, they only went 20. Nobody complains dude, about that. Dude, I just – we'll talk about uh, you know about it later. But, I, you know, I watched the, the finals of the, the Stardom Grand Prix, five-star Grand Prix, and nothing over in that show went over 15 minutes. And it was so good. All the, like, main – tournament matches including the finals none of them went over like 15 minutes it was and they were wonderful matches much better than naito suzuki at 30 you know so it, you're right nothing has to be 30 minutes you can have a good solid 15 to 17 minute match as long as it's high paced dramatic and it, and it finishes at its when it should that's all you need it's it's uh, it's a point i'll bring up now but we can uh definitely discuss as well during the the stardom discussion is that that product in terms of a product that i would show somebody that has a a curiosity in non-us wrestling like it's a very easy to watch product because i'm not asking you to sit down and watch a 30 minute match it's you know someone can get into that stardom tournament and they can spend an hour and go through a lot of great stuff. And it's not the time commitment that so many other promotions are. Like, I think we, so much of us are in a bubble these days that are following wrestling and watching all of this stuff. And you never think about somebody that was, that just wants to sample something new that's not coming in with, with any 
knowledge of a certain product. They're just testing it out and what a commitment it is just to find the time to follow this. That I like that stardom model where that tournament, as you said, it's they're quick matches. They're very qu- high quality matches. And that's something I could see someone sampling and that really hooks them on the product. And it's not a daunting task to say, I'm going to start following stardom. The commitment is minimal. Yeah. I, one of the big, uh, other people that's really fond of the Stardom World uh, website because it's easy to follow is Lance Storm. I saw him tweet about how much he likes watching Stardom and how easy it is. Yeah, I think that they do a really great job in terms of designing that for English-speaking viewers too. Like just captioning the promos is a big deal. I, I think that, that that little extra effort is appreciated by an audience that might be sampling this that's not as up-to-date on all the characters and, and what's going on. And it shows me that they, they care about marketing this to a non-Japanese audience as well and and trying to expand their base. I think that that should be commended. Definitely. Uh, Long Beach on Sunday night. What did you think of this card? This was one that, I mean, came in with, you know, ticket sales were very sluggish for this show. It did not seem like a show that had a ton of anticipation and that seemed to be reflected in some of the performers coming in and I think having a a bit of a chip on their shoulders for this show and you got a super hot crowd that amplified this show in my opinion. Yeah, I on paper going into this show, I was like, uh, looks like a a glorified Cork and Hall show, Um, which is not demeaning it because Cork and Hall usually gets a pretty decent like New Japan card. Um, headlined by like a big, you know, tag match usually, and you know, not you don't necessarily get all the tag, the title matches, but you you get that kind of vibe. Um, watching it, I missed the opener. I watched it live because uh, I had the day off, uh, and like there was no trains running because of the typhoon the, the night before. But um, I came in through the SCU, the the addiction versus who do they fight? Uh, so Daniels and Kazarian took on. I forget who the their opponents were. <laughs> oh man, you're you're really uh, challenging me at this uh, this early hour. I will. Uh, Anyways, I came in. I, I came at the you. second match, and from there, like I thought, oh, this is this is a really fun show, and I have to commend the the Long Beach crowd that came out for that. Um, they they really saved it. I think if, if it was a dead crowd, like what I heard the Las Vegas uh, Ring of Honor crowd was like, I I don't know if like I would have been like as happy watching it. Um, that being said, from that match and like maybe, you know, the, 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 the next two matches after that, I really felt it was like an ROH show. Like it's, it's all this ROH talent on the show that you don't normally see touring New Japan. So to me, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure I like that direction that they go in with this, you know, quote unquote global expansion. We'll see what goes on in, you know, 2019, but. Uh, but from I'd say the the junior ta- the junior uh, title tournament, which I thought was fantastic, it, it just another you know example of why I think Will Ospreay is probably going to end up being my wrestler of the year at the end of the, at the end of this calendar year. Um, him and Skrull just tore it up again. Uh, I I liked the uh, the the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Title Match, and I'm you know you know me I'm usually down. On Girls of Destiny, I'm not a huge fan of Tamatanga, but they looked amazing in this match. They held up their own end of the bargain with the Young Bucks in terms of having a great match. Um, I'm hoping that going forward, 
like Tangaloa and Tamatanga are able to like kind of be consistent with their work ethic and not just become kind of lazy as they're known to be. So we'll see. And uh, I, I, I hand wave the Juice Robinson, Cody Rhodes match for the U.S. title. One, I, I hate that belt. I think it's completely superfluous and useless in the grand scheme of things. I, I'm not a big fan of Cody in New Japan. I, I don't see what he brings to the table as far as like being something unique or interesting as far as the booking goes and the overall picture for that company. Um, I like Juice a lot, though. I do think he needs to change his gear. He looks like a complete buffoon. And if he's going to be taken seriously as a, as a main eventer, he needs to like stop looking like a clown. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I love the, the main event was, was great, you know, um, great, great, you know, performance from Omega, Ibushi, uh, Tomohiro Ishii and Okada. Uh, I will say this though, like another example of where, like where I'm critical of Omega is like, he has great matches and then he just ruins everything for me by just speaking afterwards and just saying the most ludicrous, egregiously stupid things like, Hey everybody. Look at all the empty seats in this building. But we had fun. I was like, oh, just facepalming myself there. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you appreciate the honesty, but at the same time, uh, like he really didn't, he also didn't have a point to make either about the empty seats. Like it wasn't as though this was some rallying cry that we're going to attack even further and present to you a show that is going to come back and, those of you that showed up tonight, you got your money's worth. I mean, it was just kind of pointing out the the empty seats and kind of didn't – then just went off on his, on his tangent and was kind of all over the place and making jokes about scripted promos. And, and then we got into the setup where I'm sure that all made up for it, WH, because now you get your dream match in the main event of Sumo Hall next week. Oh, my God. I'm so glad I'm not going to this live. To be honest, I'm looking at the preview right now. Of were you, were you on the fence about this one? Was this an option that you were considering? Um, going? I no, I was. I I decided really early on. Uh, I was asked if I wanted to get a ticket to go to this with somebody, and and I just said, I'm going to skip this one. Uh, like honestly, I'm still kind of recovering financially from the G1. That 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 took a large chunk out of my my uh, bank account. <laughs> so um, I thought I'd skip this one and. You know, as it got closer, I thought, oh, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe, like, I should have gone and got a ticket for this. And, and you know, because usually King of Pro Wrestling is a really good show. I've mm-hmm. always had a good time. Like, I saw Osprey debut at that. Uh, like, I, who else? Like uh, Tanahashi and Suzuki had that incredible Tanahashi. match. Uh, yeah. 2012. I mean, yeah, it's, it's always one of their big pillar shows of the year. It's that, Dominion, uh, Sakura Genesis, the G1. And like the Tokyo Dome are like the big five for New Japan. It's it's kind of a can't miss show. It's like their version of like SummerSlam, right? So you think, oh, I should have gone. But I'm looking at this card, and honestly, there's only like maybe two, three matches that I actually care about and like, you know, think it's going to be good. I don't think that match is going to be good. Um, Kenny Omega and Cody has not done anything for me in I think their previous two matches. One in ROH and one in uh, back in Long Beach or was it no San Francisco, right? The San Francisco yeah, show. Cow Palace. I, I didn't like that. I, I haven't liked any of the really the Cody and Kota Bushi matches. They were okay, but nothing mind blowing. Omega versus Ibushi would have been interesting, 
the thing about that, as far as the booking goes, it, it just goes to show to me like how much I think clout that Omega has. Cause I'm, I'm pretty sure they were going to go with a straight ahead match. And then, you know, you know, Kenny Omega keeps talking about his promise with Kota Ibushi that they're going to have their singles match in a big venue. He doesn't, he doesn't say what, but I, I, I assume he's talking about, uh, the Tokyo Dome. Uh, but he could mean Madison Square Garden. I don't know. Um, to me, it just seems like, okay, you you kind of like got your way. Maybe he's leveraging his contract negotiations in January to get to save the singles match potentially down the line for, for either New Japan or someone else. I don't know. Um, but I'm not interested in that match at all. It's like a negative influence for me to go. Like I wouldn't even say someone said, Hey, I got a free ticket for you. Do you want to go? I would say, I'm not wasting the money on a train ticket to go to that sh- this show because of that main event. That's how strongly I feel about it. Wow. Put put that quote on on the uh, the back of someone's ticket. This main event is not worth my train ride to Sumo Hall, WH Park. That's right. Uh well let's quickly go through the rest of this card. They announced it late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. Hiroshi Tanahashi, Jay White for the briefcase. Uh, I'm interested how they, they book this match because I don't know if either guy should be losing at, at the moment. As you're building up Tanahashi, he shouldn't be losing this briefcase. And I think Jay White, he's, he to me has like fully clicked now in this role as this character and has some, some heat behind him now with Ghetto that I'm curious how, how they do this because I wouldn't be beating Jay White right now. No, it is an interesting dilemma that we have with Tanahashi. He's got to remain strong. Jay White, he's their big project as far as being a heel and becoming like a, a big player in the coming year. He's got to remain strong. Obviously, we're looking at like White versus Okada for the Tokyo Dome. So you got to think Okada is going to somehow get involved with this. I, I think maybe Okada is going to do commentary for this match. And then Jay White's going to like, launch Tanahashi into the guardrail and then knock Okada out of his seat. And then Okada's going to get pissed off and then jump into the ring. That's how I would book that. I think Okada somehow has to get involved. Maybe he'll come out from under the ring and smoke will come out and he'll pull Jay White down into the depths of hell. Uh, by the way, I really like that review you did of International Incident. Very what nice. a... A very random in-your-house event in front of a pretty hot crowd in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, I really love that period of the WF, So, but I don't want to kind of get away from it. Or you could have, like, Okada running down to the ring, slipping, and busting himself up, and then he's going to go after Okada, uh, Jay White, but he hits Okada instead, uh, Tanahashi instead because he's got all this blood in his eyes he can't see anymore. Because, like, he slept and, you know, cut himself open. There's, that would no, be good there's no Yoshihashi on this card. <laughs> I think maybe he took himself out of the equation. Uh, I don't know whether it's, like, he's got a con- – he probably has a concussion. He probably maybe. has not- a concussion. Like, no joke. He, like, nailed himself into that apron. I mean, I- I- I'd be stunned if he didn't have a concussion. So, I feel sorry for that guy. I really I mean, do. I'm, but I'm glad they're not – racing them into some undercard match if in fact i mean that does show you new japan's uh concern for head injuries yeah but yeah i I think okada is going to get involved in this match somehow i I can see it just being like from the commentary you know he's doing commentary and and like jay white pisses him off and he costs he causes a dq and then like they go from there kushida versus marty skrull 
uh, myself and our mutual pal, Mike Murray, we were discussing a lot about Kushida. He's had a very strange year in 2018. Is this, uh, you know, the reset button and he gets another run with the junior heavyweight championship or do they go with Skrull? Let me ask you, is Skrull one of those people whose contract is up in January? No, he, his is not. He's got another year, so he'll be around regardless. Okay, so I can see them putting it on Skrull then. Because he hasn't really had a long run with that belt. He's like, I think, had just the one defense. Uh, he won it from Osprey kind of like surprisingly, and then he defended it at the Wrestle Kingdom last year. So I can see Marty Skrull getting it. Kushida, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want him in the junior heavyweight division anymore, to be honest. Like, it just seems like it's it, it's a fast track to nowhere for him. Um, I would love to see him challenge for the uh, the Never title against Taichi at Wrestle Kingdom, actually. That would be like kind of my dream booking for Kushida. Did you see the opening of Being the Elite, the new one that they put out? Dude, I want to see less of the Bullet Club, not more. I don't really watch the Being the Elite unless like you or Wei you know, review it and they, you say, this, this was interesting. Then I'll go watch that part of it. But I, I can't stand the Bullet Club. So I, no, I, I don't watch it. I watch it now to like keep up with, with you know the reviews with, with Wei and stuff like that. It wasn't a series I was following all that much. But I will say, the first 60 seconds of this week's show, all the members are in the locker room. And you're just panning across. They're all looking at their phones, their watches. They're supposed to be having a meeting. And they're like, he's late. He's 12 minutes late. Now he's 14. And Marty Skrull runs in and apologizes for being uh missing time they did it much better than i recapped it but it was a very funny start to the show if you haven't seen it i'm sure they rib him a lot about the the all-in timing issues evil and Zack saber jr i think this is going to be awesome i have loved their brief interactions in all the the tag scenarios over the past month i think these guys could have a really great 15 16 minutes if they're allotted that kind of time here and I think you could. I think it's probably a guarantee that Jericho has some involvement, uh, even if it's just by video setting up an evil match, and evil wins this one. Yeah, evil. I think evil should go over. Jericho's challenges him, like you know, you know, says I don't like. It'll be interesting if he's gonna how much swearing he's gonna do in in whatever way he appears, because like it seems like they're really getting cracking down on like the, the profanity in new Japan. Um, I would assume that that's going to be for a uh, power struggle and then evil will probably win the belt. And then that'll free Jericho up to have the rematch with Naito at wrestle kingdom. So that's what I'm going to predict for that. So I don't And Zack Sabre jr. Is kind of like odd man out. I don't know what they're going to do with him going into January. The pumpkin spice latte versus the double espresso. I'm going to go with the double espresso. I, I hate all this pumpkin spice that happens at this time of year, like throughout North America. Thankfully, it hasn't really invaded Japan yet. Uh, I can still just go to the coffee shop and get my one, like my black with two, two creams and then just move on ahead. And I have to worry about all these hipsters trying to get like get into the fall season with their stupid pumpkin flavored bullshit, whatever. Uh, this next eight man tag is Somewhat intriguing. We have uh, Kazuchika Okada, Toru Yano, Rapongi 3K against Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, Bushi, and X. The Mystery X, which I would imagine up until this morning, people would have been speculating Neville, but that is not happening. No. I don't. I never thought it was going to be Neville regardless because like, I, I think they like to keep 
you know, Lost in Garment, I was the Hepon, you know, like pretty, pretty much Japanese. Um, the only time, the only non-Japanese person I could see would be someone from Mexico, maybe joining it. Do you see um, this being one of the, the young lions coming back? Yeah. Kawada would be the, the, the most logical choice. He's still on excursion. Um, it would be an early return for him. I don't know. Like, you know, the thing is, is like the most logical, like, person who was in the young lion system would have been yo because they always made this big point of like like naito was you know interested in yo you know like when he was a young lion and like you know kept an eye out on him he's like hey i like you you should join up with me in the future so maybe we'll see that happen maybe we'll see a turn happen in this match maybe yo's gonna leave rapongi 3k you know join up with uh you know lij who knows I think it's going to be probably Kawato. Like, I don't see who else is out there. Like, people are saying, oh, Shingo Takagi could be it. And I'm like, Shingo Takagi's not going to be a minion to someone who's younger than him in his stature in, in like, in Japan. Like, Shingo Takagi's not going to be placed as being some kind of power junior in New Japan when he can be billed as a heavyweight in, like, All Japan or any other company. And I think he'd probably make more money being independent anyway, so. Maybe David Finlay turns... That, that, I don't see how that would fit aesthetically or storyline-wise. And I love David Finley. I think he's the most underutilized guy in that whole thing. I think he's terribly underutilized. I think he's a perfect example of uh, someone that this is just such a you know talent-heavy roster that a guy like David Finley is. I mean, he's not even on this card. He's just forgotten. Yeah, we'll see what, what happens in uh, World Tag League. I, I'm hoping he's going to team with like Juice. They're really good tag team uh or either him or uh hanare we'll see i just don't want him saddled with like some random foreign dude hey you're teaming with sammy callan this year it'd be like i'd be like oh fuck no billy please, billy, please. Gunn. billy gunn's coming back for his annual tag league run to join lij i'm not he's gonna team with tanahashi then if that happens like they're buds now you yeah know? they are it was a very so, special match tanahashi said he had with him i watched i read that recently i didn't see special out of that match <laughs> no, i just saw a lot of a lot of it's special because head. it might have been the only match where Tanahashi did the did the bare ass uh, spot in his career. I don't. Yeah, know and I read that, that in that interview. He was like, uh, "Oh yeah, I promised to do it again every time I came back to the U.S., but it just kind of fell to the wayside." So the speak. new smoking so. guns, Tanahashi and Billy Gunn, uh, the ace in the ass. Uh, Will Osprey, Hiroki Goto, and Ishii taking on Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Takeshi Azuka. Um, did you take last uh, this past weekend's loss by Will Ospreay as kind of his exit from the junior heavyweight division? Do you think that this is very indicative? He is booked here with heavyweights, and is he is he done with the junior heavyweights? I don't think many would I, complain if this was the, his his move up. I think yeah, he's pretty much done. I think the scroll match was his like you know his signer to the junior heavyweight division. You know, it's funny like today. I uh, finally got around to like uh, doing like dipping into the um, the streaming service for pro wrestling uh, pro wrestling Australia Black Label because um, I really wanted to watch this match that Osprey had with uh, Robbie Eagles back in the summer. Yes, and and throughout that's a great match by the way. Go out and see that they had two matches, both from the Call to Arms uh, branded shows. One from 2017, which is amazing, and this one, which is. Equally amazing, but for different reasons. They're such different matches. Um, go out. Robbie Eagles, I predict he's going to come to Japan, New Japan, in the 2019. Um, but 
throughout that whole match, the, the commentators are saying, he looks bigger, doesn't he? Like, he's put on, like, an extra, you know, 10 pounds or 15 pounds of muscle. I see a junior still. Like, is he going to – he said he wants to be heavyweight. They just pushed that really hard back in, like, late July, early August. So, like, you know, he's he's putting it out there, I think, to, like, commentators and other promotions. Like, hey, talk about, like, I've – I've gotten bigger, like promote that I'm looking more like a heavyweight. It's just smart. I think he's one of the smartest guys in wrestling right now. So maybe at one of the New Japan shows, uh, Jim Ross uh, reenacted his scene in Beyond the Mat with Tony Jones, and he had a chat with Will Ospreay. So, you have to refresh my memory, John. That's been like 15 years since I've seen Beyond the Mat. <laughs> sorry, Beyond the Mat. I just uh, I, I just assume photographic memory everyone would have of Jim Ross. He's talking to Tony Jones and explaining to try and. Uh, put on some mass on his upper body and you know tony jones has potential michael modest is ready those were the the two big dark match tryouts in september of 1998 and unfortunately neither of them would would get their their shot in the world wrestling federation shooter tony jones i don't remember him but obviously mike modest did okay for himself going into uh, pro wrestling noah with uh, donovan morgan they did really well there uh and then rounding out the card uh Nothing that I think requires too much discussion. The Young Bucks, Hangman Page, and Chase Owens against Taiji Ishimori, the Gorillas, and Bad Luck Fale. Tag match with Togi Makabe and Tomoki Honma against Juice Robinson and Toa Hanare. And opening up the card is Jushin Liger, Tiger Mask, challenging Desperado and Kanemaru for the junior heavyweight tag team titles. That should be fun. I really like whenever, like, Jushin Liger and Tiger Mask fight Kanemaru and Desperado. These, these four guys, like, have amazing chemistry. You know, I think it's going to be better than the main event for sure. Yeah, so I, I think that this card, it's it's largely going to be your your top end that's going to kind of make or break this. And I think some people are people always get interested in a surprise. So we will see if that's you know someone maybe coming back. Maybe this is going to be uh, Oka's big big return to Japan. Hopefully, he's going to leave the uh, the dominator gimmick. No. The, Back the in, great uh, O'Karn, he's got to bring the gimmick. He's got to. I Dude, mean, have you seen this? LIJ. Have you seen this gimmick? Like, beyond its initial debut in Red Pro, he's, he looks horrible. He looks like he's 50 years old in this match. You know, like he's got this, he's grown out his hair. He's got this beard. He looks like Shiro Koshinaka at the age of 50, which is not, not, not a good thing, by the way, you know. Well, that's all stuff to uh, to look forward to next Monday. It is not going to get a train ride out of WH to go check that out. But oh. the Stardom Five Star Tournament, I think there were several shows out of this tournament that you would have been more than willing to to get on a train to go watch. Uh, I did have a chance to watch the finals, um, but yeah, a- any highlights uh, throughout the tournament for you at WH and certain standouts? Dude, this thing was so long. I think it was longer than the G One. You know, uh, it's going to it would be hard for me to, like, pick out anything. There's so many good matches. But, like, I'll say this. Um, check out anything that had uh, Momo Watanabe, Mayu Iwatani, uh, Kagetsu Konami, and uh, Jungle Kiona. I thought those were the, the five um, like standouts in this whole tournament. Um, I really, from the foreign contingent that, that came over, I really like Kelly Klein in this tournament. And I thought Jamie Hayter really acquitted herself really, really well. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Kimberly or um, Nicole Savoy. So like, I can't really recommend any of their matches. Like, did you see a lot much. with uh, Rachel Ellering? Because I, uh, I've watched, I just saw her match last week on the, on the May young classic. And I think, I think she's gotten much better. Oh yeah. She, she's, she's doing, she did well. Like 
like she's been in stardom before. So like, I don't really think, you know, like uh, something I have to check out. Um, I did like her match with uh, Matsumoto in the Mayon classic, but I, I didn't, I can't, nothing stands out for me as far as, her, as far as um, her matches in this tournament. I'd have to go back and like try to like rewatch specifically to see how she did. So tell us a bit about uh, Utami Hayashishita. I hope I'm Hayashi. Like I, I had a problem last time we redid the show. I, I think it's the easiest way to say it is Hayashi Shita. Hayashi Shita. Yeah, that's yes. Uh, there you go. Uh, a little nod to Kaz there. Um, so she only began wrestling this year. So she's probably had less than fifty matches in her career. Maybe half that. Dude, she began wrestling this summer. Like the summer. Uh, okay, so she's. So I saw her. This debut. is crazy. Dude, her her debut was the the same date as the G1 finals because I went to that stardom show at 11.45, watched her debut, then hustled over to the G1 finals and then came back to the Corican again to watch the uh, Big Japan show. <laughs> so but, they, they put her in the finals of this. Yeah. And that that blows me away that she did a 16-minute match here with Mayu Iwatani in the finals of this tournament. Like, man, that is that is an introduction. So I talked about this like on the last show for her debut, she's she's a reality. Her father is a reality TV star in Japan, and that's why she's getting a lot of buzz. Like she gets a lot of attention in mainstream press, so that's why Starm's really pushing her. So her father, she's one of I think like sixteen or eighteen kids. Her father's nickname is Big Daddy because he's he, he's sired so many children, and, and like her whole family was at her debut. So I was sitting like maybe five rows behind her entire family. I'm like, who are all these people? Why are like, they getting special attention from the, the stardom staff? And then like uh, one of my friends was like, oh, dude, that's uh, Utami's like family. Her father's like that TV star. I'm like, oh, right. I read about that. So, so in the ring is like this. Honestly, I couldn't tell. Like I could tell who her father was. I couldn't tell who her mother was because like they like her mother, if she was there, it looks probably looked really young so mixed in with her like older sisters or something like that um but she's really good like it's not an undeserved push i i can't believe how good she is for her experience level like she's been holding her own against everyone that she's faced in this tournament and, and looked good like she's she's better than most of the people under like in the undercard who've been wrestling for at least maybe two years and, and she's like just blowing them away with her progress you could show this match to anyone and they're not thinking she has anything less than five years experience minimum no i mean like you know like we talked about this before as well like you know we, what's the impact of io shirai leaving stardom and going to wwe nothing like they're in good hands like there's mayu iwatani you have kagetsu still waiting in the wings as you know momo to like just kind of you know take over the whole company I think she's going to be there in, at the age of 22 in two years. Uh, you have uh, Utami in the wings here. And, you know, I think Jungle Kiona is going to get a big push in 2019, which is good. I think she's such an underutilized talent in stardom. And then, you know, they're going to bring back, uh, you know, a lot of good talent from, from the UK and the United States to come into the, the tournament as well, hopefully. So uh, into the company as a whole. Yeah. In the finals, there was this great spot by Utami where she – took her off the apron with this big military press, just launched her, and then... Oh, oh yeah. I was oh. like... I couldn't believe that spot. She just, like, she had her on her shoulders, and she just threw her over her shoulders onto the floor. I was like, holy shit. She just, like, plummets to the floor. 
And then Utami is just destroying her until Iwatani hit a top rope Hurricane Rana, followed up with a frog splash, and then it was a bridging dragon suplex by Iwatani to win the match. Uh, went just about 16 minutes altogether, but I, I was very impressed with uh, Hayashi Shita here because uh, I had not seen any of her matches prior to this. Yeah, and she had a good match earlier in the show to get to the finals against Konami in about a seven-minute match. That was good. And uh, Mayu uh, went to a time limit draw with uh, Momo Watanabe, which uh, I got to think is going to, you know, Mayu is going to either win the Red Belt, the World of Stardom title, or the Wonder of Stardom title, which is the one uh, Momo has, which is the White Belt. So she's going to get a singles belt again. It's been a while since she's had a singles belt in stardom. So I, I think the time is right to, you know, finally push her to the top again. Um, the other thing I want to talk about like, as far as like an angle goes was um, Kagetsu had a match with her former Oedo Tai teammate, uh, Tom Nakano, who early in the year lost a, a match where she had to leave the, the faction. And then during that match, uh, Hana Kimura, who just came back from excursion to Mexico, turned on Kagetsu and like the entirety of uh, Oedo Tai and just declared that, bitches, I'm on my own. And I think you're all losers. She cut a really great promo. And you, like you said about the captioning, it was captured perfectly by the uh, by the translators of uh, Stardom. Yeah, the, the, some of the the promos are, are just great when you, when you actually get the translation of what they're saying. Uh, also, after the finals, they gave out their awards for the tournament. The best match was Kagetsu Jungle Kiona, which I went back and watched. That was on September the eighth. If you want to go. Uh, go through Stardom World to go find that one. Konami got Outstanding Performance. Momo Watanami got uh, Fighting S- Spirit Award. And the best technique was Hazuki. They didn't give the criteria for best technique or the, the judging of said technique. Well, I don't know either. Like she, But she's a good wrestler. She's She's got a lot of potential in that company. Like her and Momo Watanabe, like they have like the top like rivalry in Stardom, I feel. And they're both like, you know, in their in their early twenties, it's ridiculous. Like the the future that these two are going to have. Yes, uh, the Jungle Kiona uh, Kagetsu match. It ended up being a, a time limit draw, and I will say this: there was a there was a spot where uh, Kiona had her. Or, sorry, uh, yeah, Kiona had Kagetsu up for the Styles Clash, and then just dropped her. And it wasn't really a Gonzo bomb. It was like the safest version possible, where she like bridged, but still took it somewhat. On her neck, but tucked her head. So, I mean, small victory there. Yes. Anyway. They're pretty safe. These these women are pretty safe with each other. That's good. They're, That's a good they're well trained to be forming. They're well trained from the age of 14, John. So, <laughs> Well, that was uh, the stardom tournament. Uh, before we go to the Observer Hall of Fame uh, candidates, uh, was there anything else you wanted to cover? Oh, well, you know, like All Japan also wrapped up their big tournament on the same day in Osaka, their Royal Road tournament, um, which I recommend. So I would just watch the the two semifinal matches and then the finals. So we had Kento Miyahara taking on Yuji Hino in one of the semifinal matches. That was a you know good 11-minute match uh, that Miyahara won <clears throat> in the other match, which I liked a bit more. Uh, Kengo Mashimo, who is a, a K-Dojo wrestler, so he was trained by Takamichinoku, uh, defeated the Triple Crown champion Zeus, so I imagine he's going to get a world title shot down the line, regardless of what happens with in the finals. Uh, that was a really good match. Uh, in the tag, in one of the tag team matches, uh, 
Dylan James, who's a member of this group called Sweeper, uh, teamed with Jake Lee to take on Joe Doring and the bodyguard. And in the course of this match, James turned on Jake. He said, Sweeper is over. And then he formed a, a team with Doring. So I think they're going to be like trying to go for that kind of Hanson and Brody aesthetic in uh, with these two. So we'll kind of interested in seeing where that goes. And then finally, uh, the finals was Kento Miyahara taking on Kengo Mishima in a really excellent match. I'm not a huge fan traditionally of Mishima because I don't like his look. And I think he should get new gear and get a haircut. But he's an excellent wrestler. I will give him that. And him and Miyahara just tore it up. Well worth going out of your way to see uh, that uh, Kento won. And he's going to challenge Zeus for the Triple Crown Champion. I'm not exactly sure what date they're, they're doing that on. But uh, we, we'll put up in the future. I like that uh, a lot of your criticisms, it's all like reasonable things that they can aspire to. Like once they got this wrestling thing down, it's just like get a haircut, fix your gear. And you're all set. I got responses for that. I put that on Twitter and like a lot of like, you know, Mishima fans were like, no, no, he would look terrible with a good looking haircut. He, and then some, you know, Alan Farrell from, uh, Alan Cunahan from, uh, I think he, he does, he does a show for the, the torch, torch thing. Yeah. And yeah. And who I'm a big, who I'm a big fan of. I love Alan. Um, he was like, WH, you're so full of shit. He's got to look grimier. And I'm like, you know, I can't really argue with Alan Farrell, so maybe I'll, I'll rescind my criticism of, of his look, and maybe I'm hoping he'll, he'll look worse in the future. Well, it's, you know, the debate that can rage on, I guess, when it comes to the, the aesthetics of the man. All right, well, let's uh, – I do want to spend some time looking at these uh, – the Japanese candidates for the uh, this year's Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame class. And for those unfamiliar, this is the – Hall of Fame that runs every year, and there are voters that are made up of past and current wrestlers, historians, uh, media. It's a whole different uh, series of candidates. And for each region that these uh, candidates are broken down into, you have to get 60% of the votes that come in for each region. So we'll look at Japan on this show because there's some interesting candidates uh, this year. Uh, including uh, Kiyoshi Tamara and Junakiyama, who have to get uh, – they will be dropped if they do not get 50% of the vote because they have been on the ballot for so many years. And uh, Dave doesn't want the ballot to be clogged up by candidates that are just going to stay there forever. Um, so maybe let's start there with uh, Tamara and Akiyama. Do you see either one getting the requisite 50% to stay on the ballot and – would you be voting for either one? Hmm, Kiyoshi Tamara, no. And I don't see him getting the ballots because um, beyond like being a great performer, he, he didn't really do anything that, that would warrant him being in the Hall of Fame. And as, in my opinion, I, I will say I'm not the biggest you know, fan of the, you know, the, the things that he did, like, you know, the, what was it, like uh, UWFI and like rings. And then he went into like mixed martial arts proper, so like I don't know how big of an impact he really had in, in professional wrestling proper, you know. So I would not vote for him. Junakiyama uh, is always a, a really interesting one for me. That I, I think if I think if those first couple of years of Noah go different, I, I don't know if he's viewed somewhat differently because in ring, this guy is. You know, I, I think had a Hall of Fame in ring career 
but I don't know if he had the kind of career that makes you a Hall of Famer. Do you think anything? Yeah. Yeah. The, I think of Gene Akiyama as a guy who came uh, five years too late for the All Japan uh, boom where he could have been up there. He would have probably replaced Tawe as the fourth big guy in, you know, in the four pillars of heaven that Baba pushed in his company with, with Kawada, Masao, and Kobashi. Um, but he was kind of like their junior, so he didn't get the, the same kind of spotlight on him necessarily. And then he came five years too, um, too early for like the, like kind of the boom of like the, uh, the Noah, like, you know, the guys who are Noah guys that became stars like Marafuji and Kenta and like Morishima. If he was of their generation and like, like you said, if Noah went differently, like Noah would still be around one, uh, I think. Uh, they would have actually made a heavyweight star like that could have propelled that company. Where, whereas Masawa's, you know, as, as great as Masawa was, his big problem was he did not push uh, foreign talent enough in that company to to like maintain status. And the other thing was he had this, even though he pushed the juniors way harder than than Baba ever did, he still looked at them as like beneath, you know, the heavyweights. So he 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 should have gone with Marfuji. He should have gone with Kenta instead of. Takeshi Rikio, the the big failure of, of that of that company, and even Morishima, who you know like had his health issues related to his weight, but you 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 would have got like years and years of like Marafuji and Kenta bolstering that that company uh, in the ring, and then probably bringing up a ton of guys with them. They would have probably abolished like the the clear lines between junior and heavyweight, and we wouldn't see the Noah the the shell you know, of knowing that we have, unfortunately, now. Do you ever wonder if the roles had been reversed and with the ROH-Noah relationship, if instead of Morishima, it had been Akiyama who got that run in Ring of Honor, that he would have been a much bigger star in the U.S., having worked with all those guys and being doing shows over here, um, that Morishima ended up having that that run as ROH champion, Um because to me, it's Akiyama. I think he was as much kind of just hurt from maybe just uh, more of a lack of awareness uh, on a worldwide basis. I think his Hall of Fame chances would have been better. Um, I don't know. Like, like I think Morishima was actually perfect for that ROH run. Like, I can't think like where Akiyama would have done a better job. The way like Gabe Sapolsky booked Morishima to be the ROH champion, like this foreign monster champion from Japan. Like it was, he was awesome. That was, I think I put that up there with like, you know, Joe's run and Aries's run. Like there's like in the last five years, I can't think of a single champion. That's as good as what Murashima did with that belt. How about Shima? Shima. Here's Shima's the guy I really want to talk about because he gets overlooked a lot as how influential he is to a generation of wrestlers that came after him. Like if you look at like a lot of moves that he's that he invented or has really popularized, him and Marafuji I think are the two most copied wrestlers in the entirety of wrestling today. Um, with Shima, you had the mad splash, you have the iconoclasm like throw from the top rope, you have the like the I forget what he calls it now, but the the shote where he like rises up and, and palm strikes a guy from the ground who's sitting on the top turnbuckle. He, he he did that. I think he invented the the backcracker, didn't he? Or he popularized so. it. Yeah. So he's just super influential as far as like you know like his moves go. 
Secondly, he, I think, helped shepherd. I don't know if he trained them, but he shepherded a whole generation of Dragon Gate guys that made that company a success. Like, it is an amazing testament to the strength of, like, Shima and, like, a lot of the Dragon Gate guys that that company is, from when they split from Toriyaman to now, it's, like, how strong that company has consistently remained throughout the last, you know, 15 you know, 15, 18 years. So I think a lot of that has to do with Shima. The thing is, we don't notice this about Shima until now he's left Dragon Gate. Um, he, he, his departure has like hurt Dragon Gate's box office. This is, this is like been shown in their, their last Kobe World Hall show back in the summer, which is their version of WrestleMania. It's been noticed in their Corican Hall attendance rates um like you can judge a promotion a lot of promotions success by how well they do at cork and hall uh that's been down since he's left his involvement with Stronghearts, with t-hawk ellendeman and then the, the you know the rascals um then their involvement in russell one has bolstered up their youtube numbers apparently i read this on um, voices of wrestling they they like they took the time to look at the the downloads and the views that the russell one like um YouTube channel gets and like anytime Stronghearts and Shima appear, the numbers go up. They recently appeared in DDT. Those numbers went up. So he is a draw. He makes a difference in the box office. We never really knew that because he was never kind of like the, the push guy because Dragon Gate doesn't really have a pushed guy like, like you would have in New Japan or All Japan or NOAA. They have a collection of push guys that they like to push that they put the open the dream gate championship on different people so you can't really attribute the success necessarily to shima when he was in the company but you can attribute to him like now like that he's gone their their box office is affected he goes to another company their box office in terms of like if you know in this day and age we have to gauge like downloads and views on like social media as like successes right so like He's bolstered those. He's bolstered DDTs. I'm hoping where he's going to, him and Stronghearts are just going to hit as many promotions as possible, not dilute their, their, you know, drawing power in other, in other places, but like pick a place, help that place out. If it's getting stale, just move on to another um, company. So we'll see. I, I, I'm going to say yes. He's also like, I think he's had a hand in training pretty much every major star in Dragon Gate. Also, he he is largely responsible for uh, discovering and developing Ricochet. Ricochet was just some skinny dude that was hitting the indies. He worked at DG USA show. Shima saw him, saw his potential and said, I'm taking you to Japan. I'm going to get you into a train regimen. And then, like, the way Ricochet looks now is, I think, largely due to, like, Shima's influence. He's... He's one of the stronger candidates, I think, on on the Japanese ballot. I don't know if he gets in, but I think he's got a really a pretty strong case. Um, you know, this one also someone that is very influential, Hayabusa. Yeah, Hayabusa. I don't know. It, the thing is, is he came, you know, after Onita in FMW, him and Masato Tanaka, and like when Onita left. FMW, the, the company put all their eggs in the baskets of Masato Tanaka and Hayabusa to be the, the stars to carry that company through. And through no fault of their own, there's a lot of things you could write about the history of FMW, mismanagement, like 
their, their involvement with you know certain shady people in in the Jap- in the Japanese underworld. Um, but like the thing is, is like Hayabu- under Hayabusa, FMW did not do well um, in terms of the box office. It, it didn't reach the heights or maintain the heights that Onita set during his run as the top guy in the company. Very influential. Um, but never a huge draw as far as I can recall. And I don't know, like, I feel he's been on the, the ballot for a while now. And like, if he was going to go in, he would have gotten in by now. Yeah, I, I think he'd be huge among modern wrestlers that, I mean, he was, for tape traders, like, he was one of the, the go-to people that I think had huge influence because of tape trading that I, I see a lot of wrestlers taking a lot from that he does very well in that category. Um you know, we can kind of uh, lump some of these together because I think they're all in kind of similar spots with Tetsuya Naito, Kota Ibushi, and Kenny Omega. I don't, I don't think any of them are going to get enough votes to go in this year, although I can envision all of them in within five years. Um, Omega, if he's keeping on his career trajectory that he's on now, yes, definitely. I, I think uh, I think as early as next year he could possibly be in. Um especially if you have you know, if he headlines that garden show and yeah, if he keeps us up like he's having Hall of Fame years at the moment. I just I, I don't think I could vote for him this year, this early. Yeah, I don't I think he'll get there. I, I if he's patient, he he'll get there eventually. With you say early as next year, I'm gonna say because I don't think he's setting the world on fire with his title run. He's his his he's had two defenses he's got the third one coming up i don't necessarily think he's affecting box office that much to be honest with you um like madison square gardens just it's already sold out right so it's not it doesn't matter if he's going to be on that show or not um g1 is going to was going to sell out anyways uh like king of pro wrestling was sold out before they announced pretty much sold out before they announced anything this week um, so I, I can't really attribute box office to him. I definitely think in terms of international interest, yes, he's brought a lot of attention onto the New Japan product because he's the champion for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to wait until like he's had like more tangible results as a champion. Like His, his title reign is not setting me on fire. Match-wise, yes, but he's only had like two defenses. So um, yeah, Naito, again, like same thing with Omega, too early. His career trajectory will put him in there eventually. Hopefully, if Ghetto doesn't fuck it up completely, which there is a danger of that, to be honest. So, uh, and Kotobushi, yeah, he's he's got to win a title, uh, a major title from uh, like New Japan or All Japan, and have a awesome run of title matches, and you know, and and be proven to be a, a legitimate draw before I think he's going to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think it's just yeah, it's early for all of them. Um, Someone who we, we've pretty much had a pretty good look at their entire career now is Yuji Nagata. And I mean, he has always been a guy that I've heavily supported and just, uh, I think this guy's outstanding. Um, is he, is he, does he bridge that gap from being one of the, the greats of all time to a Hall of Famer in your mind? I will say yes, because I think. He's one of the reasons why New Japan is still in business today. I think he kept him and Tenzan, you know, kept the doors open on that place with their, you know, with their efforts in the, the 
title picture when like everything else is kind of going to shit in that company. Um, but again, he's like, he, you can draw a lot of parallels with Nagata and Junakiyama. Like, again, he's a guy who came five years too late. He should have been in that, you know, that group with like, um, Muto, Chono, Hashimoto, Hase, Kensuke Sasaki. He should be, he should have been with them. If he was with them, he would have been, they would have called it the four musketeers guaranteed. Uh, and then he came five years too early. If he was a, like a contemporary in age wise and like, you know, like in the dojo at the same time as Tanahashi, Nakamura, Shibata, and he was like, you know, maybe 10 years younger, he would be totally in that mix with those guys as well. You would be talking about Yuji Nagata. Could Yuji Nagata go to the Tokyo Dome this year? Could he have headline Wrestle Kingdom? He could win the G1 this year. We would be talking about him. You, you, you know what I mean? He should be in that mix uh, of these past five years that he very well could have been in the same kind of Suzuki role as the veteran that that's hanging with this this new crop of top guys. Like Nagata challenging for an IWGP title to me, would it would have been something you could have gone to over the last few years? Yeah, him, him and Kojima, like they can still go. Like I, I think it's been a huge mistake. But again, it, it goes to show you like how you know bloated the New Japan roster is, where they they kind of squander this valuable resource that you have in like these veterans who can still go, especially those two, and you don't use them to like really season your younger guys. In like you know, I would put you know like. Uh, Umino, I would put in with either Kojima or probably, yeah, I would put him with Kojima as a tag team. I would put maybe, uh, who's the guy with the, uh, I forget his name, the young lion, not Narita, uh, Suji. He's the guy with the beard, right? Now? Yeah, Suji is the, uh, yeah. The, the taller uh, one. The, yes. I would put him with Nagata and like just have them you know, be their tag team partners and just learn through osmosis, through tagging with these two guys because like that would accelerate their growth as wrestlers more than any excursion to Mexico or the UK or the United States. You know, a lot, a lot like Shima, like Nagata's role in training these guys at the dojo, having a hand in it, like that might put them over the top for some people of when you see the crop of guys coming out of the dojo and how involved Nagata is at the dojo, that that's, that that's a huge positive on his resume. Definitely, but I, I don't know how many people are aware of, like, because he's never listed really as a trainer at the New Japan Dojo. It was, like, before it was, like, Yamamoto, I think, and uh, I'm not sure who the trainer is there now, but it's not, he's not listed as a trainer. He's the guy who goes in. Him and Tanahashi go in, you know, they, they help train these guys, and then they make, they get free dinner out of it. Like, they make the, chunk, the, the young boys make the Chanko Nabe for Tanahashi. He's a big fan of that. Like, Liger goes there. I think Partly they go there to help the young guys, but partly they like to go get a free meal and uh, shoot the shit with the young guys. Uh, and then as we uh, round out the list, just a few more here. Uh, the tag team of Kojima and Tenzon, they're not on individually. They're there as a team. Yeah, I like Tenkozi. Like, their second run with the tag belts was really, really good. And it's one of those things where, like, oh, I don't like what's going on in this company necessarily. Oh, Tenkozi has a match. On, uh, with these guys. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to order this tape. You know, when I was back doing the tape trading, when I was ordering VHS tapes, John, what are those? What are those? I still have those tapes. I got to get them to like some service where they can just transfer everything to, to digital form or something. But I'm sitting on a gold mine dude footage. I got to say. Um, but 
You should start I don't know. your own streaming service. Shh, John, don't don't ruin it. I don't want people to know about that. Okay, shh. Uh, I don't want New Japan to find out. You don't know who listens to this show. I've heard maybe like there are people in the higher ups maybe are aware of this particular podcast. So you got WH World. WH World would be amazing. You can't even imagine. Besides wrestling, what would be on there? I'm not going to say anything more before I get in trouble. But uh, Tenkozy, they're a great tag team, but I don't think they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I think Kojima by himself does. Uh, Tenzon, I would make an argument. Yes, I think he's a little tad below Kojima as far as like overall accomplishments, but like I said, like Nagata, he he helped keep the doors open in New Japan, so I would definitely put him in there on their own. As a tag team, not really. They didn't really make that much of a difference as far as like the, the box office goes, in my opinion. And we have two left here. Yoshiaki Fujiwara and Akira Tawe. Do you see support for either? Um, Tawe, if he was going to go in, he would have gone in. Uh, Kawada's in. Kobashi's in. Misawa's in. He's he's always lumped in with them. Why he's not in, I would have put him in because I do think he's an important part of that transition from the era of uh, Jumbo Suruta and uh, Jenichiro Tenru to the, you know, Misawa Kobashi, Akiyama, you know, Kawada, you know, Tawe. He's in that mix. He's as important member of that group as those other three. And I, why he's not in, I don't know. I If he hasn't gotten in by now, I don't see him going in in the future. All right, so those are the candidates. So we, we kind of have given our thoughts on like who we would support. Now, trying to just predict, who do you think uh, would get uh, into the Hall of Fame this year based on these candidates this year? Because I, I will start. I think that I do believe Omega is going to get voted in this year, and I think people will be outraged. I'm not going to vote for him, but I can definitely see him going in, and I can also see – I could see Shima going in, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, he's. I think Shima is the most likely candidate. I think there are like Japanese historians who are looking at his his impact, like that now that he's left Dragon Gate. Like, oh my God, he is actually quite important to the overall Japanese scene. So, like, we gotta we gotta recognize that in our voting. Um, Omega, yeah, like, I I can't I can see it. I I don't I don't think it's warranted. I think he's he's gonna he would get in too early like i was listening to i think it was like uh i think it was voices of wrestling again like they're talking like rich Krish did a primer and he was talking about like some guys went in too early if omega went in this year it would be too early and like i think it would tarnish not tarnish but it would kind of damage the way he's looked at in the hall of fame if he went in now i think it's better if he gets a little bit more under his belt as a top level guy because he's only been a top level guy for for a year i i don't think it's warranted but you know, I, I'm not. I wouldn't argue with it if he got in per se. You know, because he it's he's eventually going to get there. I do believe he's going to be in. I'm just not voting for him this year. Like the longevity thing does. Yeah, that that is to me the big strike against him. That is not going to get my vote. And you know, th- this is only one section of of the entire ballot. Like there's you know, especially Mexico, which I think is very underrepresented, and that is probably the most loaded section of deserving guys that have much, much stronger cases than uh, a number of the candidates in in the Japanese ballot, for instance. 
Yeah, I was looking at the other ballots on the uh, the post wrestling forum about the thread about this, and I was like looking at the the American stuff, and I was like, "Wow, Junkyard Dog's not in yet! I can't believe he's not in there. It's unbelievable to me." Of the of the, the modern Americans. performers, I I don't know how many are going to get in. Junkyard Dog's certainly a big case uh, to to be made for him, but when you look at the the rest, like these are the the modern performers in the U.S. Canada. Uh, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, together with J.J. Dillon, Junkyard Dog, Edge, Bill Goldberg, Samoa Joe, Rick Martel, Randy Orton, CM Punk, Sergeant Slaughter, Trish Stratus, Carrie Von Erich, Ultimate Warrior. I would vote for Trish. I think she's been so influential on today's current women's scene in North America. I don't think we have women's revolution without her. So I would vote for her for sure. All right. Well, the... Ballots are due in a couple of weeks, and when the Hall of Fame class is announced, maybe uh, you and I, we can we can revisit, see who gets in and who doesn't get in. That is going to wrap up this month's show, but Wei, uh, WH and I will be back next month. Uh, Wei and I will be back uh, much sooner than then. Uh, but WH, is there anything you want to uh, plug here at the end? Is there anything uh, that's kind of on your calendar this month that uh, has your attention, wrestling-wise? Um, to go to? No. Like I'm, I'm watching everything from the comfort of my living room, and uh, you know, like I, I'm, st- like I said, I'm still recovering from from the G1 financially, so I, I gotta watch what I do. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go to. I already got my tickets for uh, Russell Kingdom this year, and by the way, so I'm going to go with uh, our friend Joel Abraham from the Super J Cast oh, uh, cool. podcast, and maybe we're gonna record and we're gonna do kind of a post wrestling Super J Cast crossover well I'll keep, I'll keep i'll keep you informed Jeff. but it's something that we can put on both uh the post wrestling site and on voices of wrestling absolutely as well yeah, sounds, so, sounds like a plan so i gotta save money for that because also on on in that in like on i think like five days four three days later um fight club pro this promotion out of england is going to yeah. do a show at cork and hall which i'm like oh, i have to go see that i'm gonna try to go see that so, so i gotta save money for that a lot of, lot of big shows coming up to, uh, to close out the year. And yeah, next month we will be, uh, we'll probably be up, uh, right before Power Struggle. So we can, uh, we can chat about that and whatever else is going on. So, uh, thank you to all of our listeners for checking in here at postwrestling.com. Uh, you can follow WH at WH Park 9. That is the number nine. And let them know about any wrestlers, uh, haircuts, uh, alterations you would like to see made with their gear. If someone is too handsome or not grimy enough, do let WH know. Um, do, hey, we didn't do, we didn't do your match of the month. Do you have a match of the month or a performer of the month? Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, Mayu Iwatani as my performer of the month. She killed it this year in, uh, the five star Grand Prix. And I'm going to say my match of the month. The one I enjoyed the most was her match with, uh, Utami Hayashishida. All right. Well, go check that out. I, I recommend that match. And yeah, that stardom tournament was a lot of fun from the, the limited amount I got to see. So that is it for us. Thank you for listening. We'll speak with you next month.